This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Olay Speaks Podcast on Black and White and Red All Over. This is your host, Danny, coming to you for episode number 137. And if you want to listen to this episode as well as previous episodes, feel free to subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform, whether it is Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. If you do listen on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, feel free to give us a nice rating or an, and or a review or both if you feel so inclined. We've got a lot to talk about this week, so let us get right to it with a full crew once again. Sam Lopresti, hello, Sam. I'm back. You're back. He's back with shorter hair. Yeah, much shorter. <laughs> Same here. We've got, I haven't introduced you as this in a while, Chuck's the author of You Say, Fo- you Say Football, I Say, or I Say, da, da. let me try that again. <laughs> the author of you say soccer, I say football. There we go. Mm. Mr. Chucks, hello, Chucks. Yeah, in the flesh and uh, also with shorter hair, as uh, right. the three of us are today. And uh, fresh from not just a haircut, but from watching the latest Ant-Man movie, which was highly, yeah. highly enjoyable. So uh, I'm guessing it was recommend. better than Juventus Spezia? Much, much more entertaining. Actually, I missed the second half because uh, because of because <laughs> of the the movie uh, time we picked. Uh, my friend and I we always watch Marvel movies, and uh, yeah, the time we picked uh, covered uh, or overlapped with the second half. But you know, doesn't look like I missed much, and it looks like that was a good decision. So yeah, there you go. By the way, Chucks, I had the name of your book right in front of me, and I still fumbled it. So what does that say? Oh well, you know, you know, you've uh, you you carry us through intros, so that's <laughs> mighty mighty. Uh, performance yes. yes and last but not least also back after having a, a super bowl weekend off uh the grab bag master himself sergio romero hello sergio hey fellas happy to be here as, as always uh yeah back after a, a short hiatus hair situation pretty similar don't have any <laughs> significant hair news but other than that happy to be here there you go we have no idea that that's the case sergio we haven't you're the only person on the on the zoom that regularly has the video off so we have we we have no proof of that it's a miracle every time i i manage to you know have a podcast recording where the internet doesn't stop and that's without the camera so i <laughs> users have to imagine that my hair is, is the same as in every picture that right. i've ever had that's right well sergio since you weren't here last week you'll uh you'll be first up your takeaway from the week that was there's a lot of directions you can go my friend yeah, uh, I'll I'll say something that I, I've been banged in drama on, on the graphbacks recently, and that's uh, I would like to re-sign Angel Di Maria. I would like them to just give him a big bag of money and, and dare him to say no. I understand that, you know, he uh, he has mentioned a lot of times that he wants to return to Argentina to retire in, in Rosario Central, which is his, his childhood club. He's very well entitled to do that. But if 
we have like a big takeaway of the last couple of weeks that he like he's still an elite level player. Like he can still be a, a difference difference making player with with Juventus, and he's just so so fun to watch. Like he's just a really fun, enjoyable player to watch, and. Juventus hasn't had a bunch of those recently, so I would I would really really love to see him not just be a one and done with with Juve. I think he still has a lot to give, especially with with young guys like Matias Sule. You know, kind of learning from him. You know, that sort of you know veteran presence figure. I think that'd be a great role for him. And look, I just hope that you know the money is not an issue, that Juventus is not in trouble, and just make him say no. Just make him say no. And if he says no, well. It is what it is, but you know he's just been such an enjoyable player to watch recently that I hope that we get more of that. All right, over to you, Sam. Since you were also not here last week, what you got? Yeah, okay. I know we know that Cash is listening. Does Cash have his finger on the button? Uh, no, but Does he's Cash a he's his... a qual- he's a quality editor, so I'm assuming he can access that real quick. Does Cash have his finger on the button? Massimiliano Allegri is a f- coward. <laughs> That's my takeaway. I mean, did he just see white shirts on the other side of the field today and mistake that for Real Madrid? Like, what the... F- th- th- we we just went up against a team in Spezia. We're, we'll get to this later. But we went up against a team that is with an interim coach and 20 minutes into the game was down to their third-string goalkeeper who amazingly, amazingly was a wild Federico Marchetti sighting. 40-year-old Federico Marchetti. 40-year-old. I thought I recognized him, you know. World (laughs) Cup 2010 GOAT. (laughs) Federico Marchetti. And you you do your, oh, we're going to defend and counter thing and end up getting so deeply overwhelmed that by the middle of the second half, Everyone is thinking to themselves, the, 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 the commentator on the CBS feed said it, and I was thinking it too, the equalizer's coming. I was like, that's that's it, the equalizer's coming. And then Di Maria pops up and does how Di Maria do and basically saves our ass. But like between that and, and the game against Nantes and just like letting these inferior teams do what they want to do with the goddamn ball, yeah, you know, you expect good things to happen? You know, he's he's been like this since Cardiff. He's coaching from a, from a place of fear now. And that's not going to win anything. And that is why I am firmly on the side of he has to be moved on from at the earliest opportunity. Obviously, that opportunity is not probably going to be until the end of the season at the earliest. But the minute that that it becomes feasible, he has to go because... We're not going to win games with him coaching like this. We're just not. Edward, over to you, my friend. Yeah, gosh, that's a difficult act to follow up from. <laughs> it's, I guess, my takeaways pretty related to that, uh, which is, uh, again, I mean, I'm also going to slightly repeat myself here, which is the fact that uh, Juventus truly do uh, drop to the level of its opposition in, in their games. You know, obviously looking at the game against Nantes, which was, I mean, a struggle. And then the game, game against Spezia, which, as I said in the uh, in our Slack channel, this game was the definition of the struggle is real because it was just a true, true struggle. Funny enough, though, I think the games were somewhat the opposite. And, and Allegri alluded to this uh, in his post-game interview of the Spezia game, so of today's game, in the sense that against Nantes, I mean, we're poor, obviously poor in both games, but against Nantes, we were poor but still created many chances and then i mean yeah not had i think quite literally one shot actually i mean I can one shot on goal ch- yeah yeah one shot on goal and one goal <laughs> you know uh which is all you need obviously i mean that's that's kind of the point of football it's about scoring goals not about you know i mean you don't get points for shots on or off target target you get points for goals so, um, which is actually very similar to the Monza game as well, which obviously we were poor then again as well. But even in that game, I believe Monza had three shots on target and two goals. I want to say three, maybe four shots on target. I'm pretty sure three and two goals. And yeah, again, against, against Nantes, yeah, one shot, one goal. And we had some like, I don't know, 12, 13, 14-ish shots and one goal. So, you know, 
that was a game that, I mean, in terms of statistics, we probably deserve to win it, even though, again, we were still poor. But then against Spezia, that was a game we thoroughly deserved to lose, probably. Definitely not to win 2-0, which was, yeah, a flattering scoreline. And, you know, again, that was also a game, or that was rather a game in which it was the opposite. And we had, I mean, I think three, let me see, three shots on target, two goals. <laughs> and Spezia had a remarkable seven shots on target. And zero goals. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's just interesting to see the the very uh, opposite natures of the two games in such, you know, I mean, there were, what, four days, three days, three days apart or so, three, four days apart. And, yeah, just see the completely opposite feel or procedure of the game, which, I mean, what does that teach us? <sighs> frankly, nothing. <laughs> I mean, I hate to say it, but frankly, it doesn't really teach us much. It just shows us that we, I mean, are... Basically, what we know we are, which is a really quite average team that tends to just defend well enough to keep a lot of clean sheets and to defend well enough to be able to just score one goal here, one goal there, and to usually get the points, victories, or yeah, just victories slash draws. Usually that's enough. And then we get some times where it's, uh, yeah, not quite enough, like against Nantes. But yeah, again, I mean, all in all, it's basically... Another week in which I've learned nothing, nothing particularly new about Juve. Yeah, and I, I want to. I was going to reference this at some point on the podcast today, but I just wanted to kind of go off of go off of it after what you said, Chucks. And this is a something I saw in the hours after the uh, the one one draw with Nantes was from Antonio Corsa on Twitter that he basically outlined essentially how kind of delicate Juventus's both goal scoring situation is and how how the defense is really just becoming more and more relied upon to get results, even though I think we can all say that this is not necessarily the most talented defense that Juventus has had, you know, compared to say the last decade or so. And, you know, he, this is obviously after Thursday's game, so it's not including the the win over Spezia earlier in the day today, but, you know, he's saying that, you know, of 31 games played, Juventus has not allowed goals in 16 of those games. Now, obviously, that's 17. But you look at basically when they've allowed one goal against Nantes, against Monza, against Maccabi Haifa, against Monza, against Fiorentina, and Roma, they've only won two of those games. And then allowing two goals, they haven't won any of them. When allowing three or more goals, obviously, they haven't won any of those. But it just speaks to kind of this fine line that Max Allegri is walking with this team that if they even allow one goal, and this is a team that we've said with Federico Chiesa now back from injury with Angel Di Maria playing, you know, the best form of this season with Dusan Vlaovic now back. They're still not kind of grinding out. They are definitely still grinding out or at least trying to grind out results. And that is, uh, as we saw against Nolan, that is playing with fire, isn't it, gentlemen? Yeah, very much so. And there just doesn't seem to be a will on the part of, of the people making the decisions to keep pushing for the second goal. You know, th this is a, like, like you said, this is a team that now, you know, Di Maria is, is healthy and playing well. You know, Vlaovic is, is healthy and, and playing relatively well if he ever gets service. His first shot against Spezia didn't come to the 85th minute, folks. Yeah. 85th! That, that was, that talk about, that. that's not even feeding on scraps. That's dumpster diving. <laughs> uh, you know, Chiesa is, is, is healthy and, and looking good when he's out there. You know, I thought it was a good decision to rest him today after playing some significant minutes in back-to-back -back games. But these are all guys that can and probably should be doing more in an attacking in the attacking phase. It, the problem isn't that they're not doing it. The problem is that they're not being allowed to. You know, the, how much of our offense these days is is based on bombing up the field after we gain the ball from the defensive third? as opposed to trying to actually build our own offense ourselves. And when we do have to try to build our own offense ourselves, a lot of the time we don't really do it because Max Allegri doesn't really have much of a, a of a plan in that regard. He's just kind of lets guys be like, okay, go do your thing. Or like against Betsy, the pass completion percentage from all three midfielders is awful. Yeah, what was awful. the... I think the best one was Paredes, and that was like 74 75%. And he got yanked at halftime. Much maligned. <laughs> Paredes was 73. Locatelli was actually 75. 
Okay. Rabio was 64. <laughs> Paredes was 73, but he only made 19 passes. Yeah. And then uh, Fajoli was 88.9, but he only attempted nine passes in 45 <laughs> minutes, which I think tells you a lot about the way that Juventus was playing today. <laughs> Especially in the second half. Especially in the second half, and the way that that Spezia just ran over us for a lot for a large portion of that half, and you know when you look at the players that are playing for Spezia, you know Juventus legend Albin Ekdal, and uh, and you know guys like that. You look at the the talent that we have. I mean, you know we're still bringing a guy like Angel Di Maria off the bench in a game like this, and to just get keel hauled on the field and somehow score two goals to win it's it's kind of mind-boggling because it like it, it did remind me on um years and years ago and i don't think they come to legends anymore but legends the bar that my, our club goes to in new york city used to have a bologna group bologna uh, yeah it was <laughs> it ra- most random ass thing <laughs> But there were like these old older guys that were that were a Bologna group in there. And I think there was a game, I, I forget if it was like tied or if we were up by one later on in the game. There was a game that Iguain had been rested at the start. And Iguain, I, it was I think this was the 16-17 season. And Iguain went out, we subbed in Iguain for for I th- I must have been Manzukic. And they subbed out like their striker for Sergio Flocari. Oh god. And <laughs> And one of their guys was like, yeah, we sub in Flocari, they sub in Iguain. <laughs> and and it, it, it felt like it felt a little bit like that to me when when Di Maria came onto the pitch. There's like, oh look, Angel Di Maria is coming on. <laughs> but we're not utilizing these guys to the best of their ability. The, 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 the most damning thing I think about Max Allegri is that he is playing the game his way, and he is not taking these players and making them greater than the sum of their parts, which is a not insignificant. It's not the great, you know, it's not a PSG or Real Madrid type sum, but it's not an insignificant sum. And Allegri is just content with, with every individual person playing the way he plays and being defensive and hoping that one or two guys who are really, really good at this, end up making end up doing something cool and that just to me is that doesn't do it that doesn't do it anymore why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them with royal caribbean you don't just go to the beach you visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in north america you don't just go for a road trip you atv and zip line through the jungle You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Yeah, I, th- this game against Betia was it was hard. It was hard to to watch. It was hard to sit through. It, it was it was really one of those games where you like Sam was saying, like there was no fight, there was no fire. Like they they really after the first goal, most of them didn't really seem to want to be there. But it you also remember they played on Thursday, so that that also I think it has a little bit to do with it. Like they looked like a tired team to me. And that probably has a little bit to do with it. The fact that now they're playing under the bright lights of Thursday nights, and that is yeah. obviously <laughs> a little bit fewer fewer rest, and especially for a schedule that I think Danilo said it in in some after the Nant game in a press conference. It was well, well, thanks to modern football, we have a you know quick turnaround to to prove them wrong or something. <laughs> I think that was sarcastic, but I couldn't tell. But because I just I read it, but it felt very very sarcastic. Like yeah, we have to play three days from now again. So. 
that's I, I can't imagine that stuff that that's probably a lot of tired legs but it's not the first time we've seen you know just the team just really play down to their opposition just put on a really really bad effort against the team that that you're right Sam. like they have absolutely every right to beat just based on a, on a talent standpoint alone and, and that i think is something that that you have to put on the players and on the manager because it's it's pretty pretty tough to see those performances uh with that being said i i do think that both results are, are different uh in in how the team played i i do think that the nance game Nant, you, you pronounced it Nantes, and I'm just going to go with it because I don't really know how to pronounce it. Um, <laughs> I think Nantes. 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 Yeah. We, we, all, we all sound bad trying to do our French accents. Uh, <laughs> uh, suck it, blue. <laughs> <laughs> I know, that's so cliche to say. I know. The, the yellow French side. Um, <laughs> the yellow and green French side. <laughs> I really do think, and I wrote about it in, in the graph back, that th that was, to me, a, a different performance than the one we saw against Spezia or even against Fiorentina last week. Like, that felt like uh, just give possession, see possession, see initiative, and, and try to see the result through way too early on. Uh, I, I do think those th that is a fair depiction of what happened. I think in, in, in on Thursday, that was just, you know, a team getting a, a goal against a run of play and, you know, you getting unlucky here and there and, you know, getting a bad result. I do think it was a pretty good performance that they just kind of, you know, got screwed up a little bit by VAR, by hitting the post twice in the second half. Like just even when when going against, you know, in, in that counterattack, like even Bremer sliding when he's trying to get back into the play, like it's just... To, to me, it felt like one of those days that we've unfortunately seen Juventus have a lot recently in, in Europe, but I'm cautiously optimistic about the 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 way that that, you know, return leg is going to look. I, I wrote about it in the grab bag, like, you know, football is dumb. So what do I know? Like they could very well get bounced next Thursday. But at the very least, in the terms of how the team performed, I felt that it was a good performance on Thursday. I felt it was a bad, tired, pretty tough to 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 watch performance on on Sunday. But I'm willing to give them that that uh, benefit benefit of the doubt, considering that they did play on Thursday. And I'm, I'm guessing that turnaround isn't all that easy. You quote a great man before you jump in here, Chucks. Uh, in regard to the one-one draw we saw on Thursday, these things happen in football. <laughs> Yeah, it's quote, quote another great man. Uh, football, bloody hell. Um, <laughs> you know, um, who is actually Sir Alex? He's still going to United games, like almost every United game. Man, I, I don't know yeah, how he has the, the bandwidth to do that at his age. I mean, that's really, really remarkable. I think he was at the Barcelona. Yeah, he was at the Barcelona game, United or Bar Barcelona United game in, uh, on Thursday, which I heard was a really, really great game. Well, with the way your boy Marcus Rashford is playing, I'd, I'd want to go to those games. Yeah, yeah, he's he's fantastic. I don't, I mean, really even care much about United. I just follow them out of curiosity, and obviously Den Haag is there now. But um, yeah, he's doing. He's a just a phenomenal, phenomenal player, and he's just a good guy too. That's always nice to have. Just actually good human beings <laughs> be so successful. But yeah, I mean, uh, to kind of go off what Sergio said, it's it's again as I alluded to uh, earlier. It's like it's interesting to see kind of the juxtaposition of um i hate using big words like that but um i couldn't find a different word but to see that see that of those two games of the spezia game or sorry the not game and then spezia game just three days later because i think really everything that went wrong on thursday just happened to go right uh, today on on sunday in the spezia game because again i mean we had what you know two or three shots on target and then you know two of them were goals against spezia and of the, I don't know, 13, 14 shots or something we had against uh, Nantes, you know, uh, one of them hit the crossbar post. And what was it, the other post? And then it went. It was, the, no. crossbar, the, it was the crossbar, the goal line, the opposite post, and then yeah. right back to the goalkeeper. Right, right. That was it. Yeah, yeah. And of course, it went like perfectly back to the goalkeeper, like just perfectly back. It was really a, it's an extraordinary feat of physics, actually, if you think about it, just how it all how that happened i mean man that's uh sure a physics a physician physics oh man 
a physics expert is somewhere studying that shot and thinking, man, that is quantum mania to hit back at Ant-Man and Wasp. Great movie again. Yeah. Uh, this is not an ad for Ant-Man and Wasp, but I highly recommend it. Yeah, we're not getting um, ad, any ad revenue for this. So uh nope, nope, nope. But hopefully soon we will. <laughs> so um, so yeah, I mean, you know, really everything that went wrong, I mean, again, it's not just yeah, happened to go right. As much as we I mean, again, it was a bad performance on Thursday, but I mean statistically, just looking at the stats, I mean, we probably did deserve the victory there but didn't get it. And then today, I mean, absolutely did not deserve a victory uh, today. And then not only got it by one goal, but got it by two goals. So yeah. And, and Sergio, like you said, I, I think that's a useful kind of reminder just of the fact that it was, you know, two games in three days. Um, yeah. I mean, that's again, modern football and just the workload on, on players nowadays. Yeah. that That is useful to remember, of course. And just, to think about the quick turnaround and obviously that you know the first game was at home but then the second game was away so then they have to go travel for an away game so yeah i mean that's important to remember but at the end of the day <laughs> i mean given the quality of the two two teams we were playing i mean spezia and not it's not really excusable it's still not really excusable to see the types of performances we had in both of those games and especially like, like you said sam I mean, we had someone like Di Maria coming off the bench. I mean, this team absolutely has the talent. And, you know, we got a few injuries, but nothing catastrophic right now. This team, as player for player, has tremendous quality. More quality to, you know, again, I think of like the goal of a coach. One of the main goals of a coach is to maximize the resources that he has available um, in his team. And, you know, you look at the resources we have in terms of player ability. Are they being maximized right now? Absolutely not. <laughs> Looking at the performances, just absolutely not. And that is certainly on the coach to uh, you know beat a bit of a dead horse there. But yeah, that's absolutely uh, on the coach. Anybody want to guess the uh, final score of, of Nantes' uh, loss this weekend? I happen to see, or to just scroll on live score and see it. I think it was 3-1, actually. I think it was. 3-1 yes. is correct. Yeah. What did they play? In fairness, it was against Lons. Lons. Let's just say it like a complete American. It was against Lens. <laughs> it was against Lens. Lens. You know, like Lens from Spanish Sabres. Aren't they not? Aren't they not great? <laughs> yeah, I mean, to me, yeah, they're like fourth or something. So they are, they actually are good. Are they? Uh, are they like yeah, the surprise league on team this year? Yeah, they're fourth. They're fourth. Uh, Forty-nine yeah. points. Uh, yep, yeah, fourth. Yeah. Three points away from second place. So. Yeah. yeah, that's a pretty decent season. Wow, that's like there's always that one random ass team from League On that yeah, like yeah. shows up in the top four. Only eight kinda, points off PSG. Kind of how the Bundesliga is a season two. Oh gosh, yeah. I don't think anybody a... expected Union Berlin to be in yeah. know, third place. And uh, Kadira's brother, uh, I guess, Leon is there. in yes. ninth this year. Damn. Yeah. That's right. Just setting themselves up to knock Juventus out of out of Europe. Some French yeah. team. Yeah. Speaking of said French team, I mean, knowing how the first leg went and knowing where the second leg is, I mean, the quality of opposition is what it is. So even with the first leg performance, are we feeling kind of going off of the, the Friday poll that I posted on the website? Are we feeling confident about uh, Juventus being in the round of 16 draw the next day? You know, you, you never feel confident with Juventus in Europe. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> that that has been happening for us the last like six or seven years, but at, at least I, I think you know we can we can sit here and, and I can defend that performance all I want. You know the, the posts the we we didn't even discuss it, but you know the, the the late PK that wasn't like all of that. Like we can we can say that and say hey Juventus played a good game, they deserve to win. But at the end of the day, if you don't go into Nantes into France and beat them then you were not really worth like you were not really a good team a deserving team to move to move past anyway right like nantes is not a good team i didn't see a good team on thursday i really didn't i mean they had a couple spells of play but i mean that that wasn't a team that i was particularly scared of at, at any at any moment so i do think that juventus should go in and beat them but you know like i said like they just haven't really given you any confidence that they're going to go out and actually put their best foot forward. I do think that if play if they played similarly 
to the way they played on Thursday. And, you know, with just luck regressing to the mean, they should like that should be enough to beat a team like not. Will that happen? I don't know, but I feel relatively optimistic, not confident, but relatively optimistic. I always uh, enjoy your caution uh, there. That uh, makes me not sound <laughs> yeah. like the only kind of uh, excessively cautious uh, person. <laughs> excessively cautious or pessimistic? Oh, that's a very thin line. Very thin line <laughs> between the two. Yeah, let me just put it this way. Like, I do expect them to be in the round of 16 draw. Would I be shocked if they weren't? No, but I do expect them to be there. <laughs> yeah, that, that's the thing. And that's there's always something with you know and especially with allegri that just doesn't quite that, that that you know we're so prone to just falling on our face at the inopportune moment and you look at what happened with Villarreal last year you know everything looked okay during that during the first hour of that second leg and then it all fell apart and i also just don't trust max allegri to approach the game properly anymore that's the other thing you know, if we score, you know, I, I, I can 100% imagine us scoring a goal early and then just hacking in and just tempting fate the way we the way we always do and and something going wrong. At least the away goals rule is out of is is out of the equation at this point. But it, it's I, I think I, Juventus should beat Mal. Whether or not they will is an entirely different question right now that. I can't really put my finger on because they just are so variable, you know, throughout every game. Yeah. And I, I think that's part of the the conundrum, I guess, as, as fans that we find ourselves in is that on paper, Juventus is a much better team than Nantes. But as we know, this game isn't played on paper. This isn't a, you know, a, a FIFA simulation and you know, we're not just yeah. hitting the X button and simulating and, you know, we'll get the result in five seconds. On paper, Juventus should have slapped the taste out of Spezia's mouth today. Yeah. yeah. And, and so, I mean, it's just, I don't know. I, I guess maybe this is the the ill effects and the lasting impressions of the last, what, four or five years of, of Champions League knockout round games for, for me, is that especially the second legs, is that, I don't know. I mean, Juventus, like we said, Juventus should beat them, but am I 100% or even... 50% confident I I really don't know at this point. I mean it's as I've as I feel like I'm typing every week in match previews which Juventus that's going to show up is a complete guess. I mean honestly I feel sa- I feel pretty safe in saying like Sam said that Juventus might get a one nothing lead and then just defend like hell for however many minutes they have that lead more so than Juventus coming out and playing like gangbusters and putting Nantes away early because Unfortunately, there is a little bit of bad luck, but that should have happened in the first leg. You mentioned Europe. Like, even in the last few years when, you know, the results have been far from ideal in the knockout rounds, you look back at those games and other than, I don't know, I think the first leg against Lyon was pretty bad. Uh, you know, I think the first leg against Porto was pretty poor too. But I mean, you you look at the overall way the team played in those matchups and I don't think it would be, you could say like they played horrible the entire, like they weren't like they had good matches. And like Sam said, like something happened that suddenly the wheels fell off. And I don't know. I thought the first leg against Villarreal last year was pretty crappy. Vlaovic, 30 seconds of Vlaovic aside. Oh, I, I yeah, thought yeah, that that yeah. was. Actually, now I remember. Yeah. <laughs> I think that. <laughs> I think that 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 and the Lyon game are probably the most objectionable because I, I do think they were bad games. But when you look at overall, they never really played all that bad. It just it was a couple of things here and there. Wheels fell off. Boom, you're eliminated. And you know they do have like it. It could very well happen. The very same thing could happen in in France. Like that's that's really the problem. These two two like matches. Like you could play well, but if you don't put away your chances which Juventus had a lot of on Thursday. And if you don't put them away because of, you know, VAR or because just physics doing what they want <laughs> in, in the shop, you know, it, it's it doesn't matter how good or how bad you play. At the end of the day, it's about making your chances count. And Juventus, for one reason or another, they just haven't been able to make their chances count. And it it, it is a little bit nerve-wracking to know that you are, you know, a mistake here and there to having to fight for your life in France when they have shown that 
they really haven't shown that they can do that all season. Like they really haven't shown to be a team that when put against the wall, they answer in the way that you'd expect them to. And that's, that's kind of, you know, in a nutshell, that's kind of why it's cautiously optimistic, but expecting the worst in a way for, for Thursday. So uh, to, to answer your uh, original question, Danny, um, so I remember last week I, when you asked for predictions for uh, Thursday's game, which, you know, obviously ended 1-1, ended I think I'd said something like, well, I expect us to indeed drop to the level of our opposition and it to be a wonderfully kind of boring 2-1 victory, which I was so, so close to getting it right. But I think the overall course of the game, I think, was as I expected. But I think it's still... I think we'll make it. I think we'll make it through, but I think it's still going to be the typical unnecessarily difficult, um, and you know, huffing and puffing and just about getting it over the line uh, performance uh, from Juve. You know, I think we'll get through it. Maybe one nil or two nil or something, but it's going to be, yeah, just going to be incredibly uncomfortable, and it's going to be yeah, extremely, uh, yeah, just close, unnecessarily close. But I think we, yeah, I think we'll make it in just about just about make it well gentlemen shall we answer a few twitter questions to wrap this thing up sure we've got a let's do it we've got a good number of them this week first one here from uh let me make sure i get the name right at mohammed megahead seven anyone notice the misunderstanding between leandro paredes and i'm making and thankfully the name is starting to stick philip crostich Against Spezia, Paredes simply stopped playing while Krostic continues to chase the ball after losing it. That was an awkward as hell moment, wasn't it? Oh, when they you mean when they like bumped into each other? Yeah, when or they was it... hit it, they smashed into each other and basically it created a scoring chance for Spezia. Yeah. Yeah. That was... <laughs> Paredes, di... Paredes clearly doesn't give a shit. Sorry, Cash, but like 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 we were we we had questions about the two Argentines on the team and whether or not they would be motivated beyond the world cup and Demar and I was, I was guilty of that with, with Di Maria, especially for a lot of, a lot of the summer and a lot of the fall, I was wrong. Di Maria very clearly it was, has that, has the motivation to keep going. Yeah. Just look but, at how he celebrated that goal. Cause man, yeah, that was, that was fun. But Paredes, I just don't necessarily think he cares. I mean, Paredes is, is the, Paredes has always been to me the uh, the poster child for mediocrity paying. Like he is a a journeyman midfielder that has never been particularly outstanding, but somehow ends up on big teams. Like you know, he once he left Roma, that that was there was that moment where Zen at St. Petersburg started throwing money around like nobody's business for like a hot second, and then he moved from Zenit to PSG somehow. But then he never plays in he never played in their big games except once one season. It it just it, I, I've I've never thought that he was particularly fantastic at, at anything that he did. And I definitely think that we probably would have been better off this season giving that spot to Nicolo Rovella than spending a, a significant chunk of money. He's one of our top three earners this year loaning this guy out for the PSG money, baby for what is essentially a lost season. Like he is a negative, he, he is a net negative right now. Yeah. Leandro Paredes to me on paper was like such a great signing, like, you know, holding midfielder, center midfielder, you know, starter for the Argentina national team that ended up being world champions. But, you know, once you actually see him play, like he's just, there like i i just don't really remember a game in which was like oh the great performance by leandro paredes like he's just kind of there like he reminds me of the worst of adrian rabio like just a dude who's there <laughs> and he just doesn't really add anything to your team but like you know he's a warm body that you can throw there which is not what you want when like sam said he's like one of the guys that you're paying the most amount of money like I don't know. Even in the World Cup, I think he got benched. Like he started the first few games, and then when the knockout round started, like he got benched. Like he's just that type of dude. Like my guess is he's just my guess is he's just he's a really good training player. Like he he has to be really talented and play really well in training. And you know, scouts and coaches are like, this guy's really good. And then for whatever reason, it just 
doesn't really translate when you know when you actually see him on the field. I, I can't really say like I was I I was happy about the signing. Like on paper, it made a lot of sense. Now I'm I just kind of can't wait for him to go back to PSG, to be honest. You and me, buddy. You and me too. <sighs> yeah, I don't have too much to add to that. I mean, it was yeah, it was a very bizarre moment. Uh, which in fairness, I remember in that moment where they, you know, bumped into each other. But it is did do well to win that tackle and then to recover to win the ball, but then, I don't know, it seemed like a kind of odd miscommunication, uh, which I suppose, I don't know, neither of them speak Italian, and then Lord knows they close to each other. He might speak English, I probably speaks English, but I don't know. I, they, there probably wasn't much of a language overlap there either. So, uh, yeah, it was an odd moment, but again, I mean, at least to his credit, just in that moment, he did recover the ball well, but then, yeah, just something broke down there. Yeah, it's strange with the Paredes. I mean, he you know, he, he didn't play a significant role for Argentina in their World Cup, in their World Cup victory. But, I mean, he did play, I mean, a bunch of games here and there. I mean, I'm looking at the stats here. He played about an hour in that, you know, surprise loss against Saudi Arabia. Uh, didn't play against Mexico. Then played half an hour against Poland. Didn't play against Australia. Then played a little under an hour against the Netherlands. Played about an hour against Croatia. And didn't really play against France. I mean, he, Kind of was there, you know. Netherlands was the one that he sent the that ball into the bench, right? Yes, yeah. yes, yeah. That was uh, a <laughs> yeah. He should have gotten red so carded for that. Yeah, that's a man. That's some FIFA street stuff, right? There. <laughs> that's the most emotion he's shown in months. Which uh, this is a little informal to say, but I know that just showed that 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 brother is so hood, man. <laughs> like, he just like he just like came on and like just smacked and like come on then you know just i mean he absolutely knew what he was doing when he did that but anyway bygones be bygones but yeah so i mean he was kind of around with argentina kind of you know played a bit of a role in their victory so you think okay you know world cup winners he's kind of played a role there that should bode well but yeah i don't know so far it hasn't really worked out i mean i agree he hasn't been great that said i mean i, I don't know i don't want to say that he's been you know an al Maori or something for us uh i think that let's you know don't want to go that far to say that he's been such a disaster but indeed it, it does seem like he's just not quite worked out and yeah it's a significant chunk of money that his salary uh or paying for his salary but thankfully there doesn't seem to be much indication that he's going to be uh signed on a permanent deal so at least that's good at least the Maori has some good moments chucks he sure did. He sure did. Hey, um, hashtag Amali forever. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I mean, he, you were saying before we recorded that uh, you're surprised there are Paredes fanboys. Man, I'm telling you, there are Amali fanboys out there. That's right. That's good old, good old Juve offside days, Chucks. If if you dig deep enough on on Reddit, I'm sure you'll find some <laughs> on Reddit. <laughs> I'm sure. All right. Next question here from at Pete Fry one. Should we be starting Federico Gatti more? He's got a higher ceiling than Daniele Rugani, surely. So facing Spezia, for example, was a missed opportunity to give him some experience. I think in this particular game, that actually is is the case. I think if for no other reason, then I, I would have been perfectly all right with Danilo getting a bit of rest in this game. And I, I'm not, I don't think that Gatti has been a complete disaster this season. There are certainly flashes of why they signed him in the first place. He does seem like he has a, a good read, a good feel for reading the game. He gets into the right spots. He makes some good interceptions, but he is a very raw piece of work and needs a lot of polish. So, yeah, I would like to see him get some more minutes. And I think that today, you know, when you really did want to get give guys some rest before the second leg against Nantes, I, I would have put him in today as, as for, you know, the, the, as a whole, it, it's, it's gotta be kind of on a matchup on matchup basis, I think, but I, I would, I would have put him in. I definitely would have put him in today. So you're saying the former bricklayer needs more sculpting. <laughs> you probably waited for that one. Uh, didn't you? <laughs> I waited. Until, that one up. I at least waited until Sam was done talking. <laughs> <laughs> no, you just saw the Twitter questions beforehand. And you're like, oh, I got this one. Oh, I actually I did. This. I actually, that was one of the most recent ones we got. So I did not form no. that joke before. <laughs> uh, well, I, I'll quickly jump in on, on that question. I mean, I, I agree with Sam. 
I think I, I found myself being guilty of the uh, hype machine impatience uh, that we have nowadays in general society, but uh, football um, and professional sports especially, which is that, you know, Gatti had a, you know, a few struggle, struggling performances here and there, and definitely some, you know, good performances, but some, yeah, some, like, like Sam said, just kind of those raw, raw, like, performances where you saw, like, okay, he's, uh, he's not quite ready yet, but I found myself guilty of being like, oh, okay, you know, maybe he's just not Juve level or something, but I thought, you know, I mean, come on, like, this is first season, right? I mean, first season with Juve and senior football, so, I mean, you know, come on, like, it's, we got to have patience with these players and like some players take, I mean, a year or two or more to truly become the finished product. So I, th- I think it does. It's just, I have to remind myself of just the yeah general impatience there is in professional football and how easy it is to fall in that trap of just being like, okay, you're a senior team. Now you got six months to become, I don't know, uh, Chico Ferrara or uh, Fabio Cannavale, let's go. Like you're not Chile or like Fabio Cannavale in six months. Well, okay, off you go. Like, um, yeah, it's just have to remind myself to not fall for that trap and just uh, give him some time. But yeah, I definitely think you know he can, he can become something. And and I agree. I think this was a good chance to give him some minutes. But the mighty Daniele Rugani, he uh, moves mountains and who had the who had a really damn good game today. He did. Let's not take that. Let's not take that away from him. Yeah. Yeah. So there you go. Spoils for choice, are we? <laughs> Question becomes when, how does Bonucci get filtered back into the lineup now that he right. seems to be back from that injury? No, nothing but 30 second appearances right at the end of games, like against. <laughs> yeah. Or, or general appearances where he's just harassing the officials <laughs> all day long. <laughs> I, I just found it funny that today was Bonucci's 425th Juventus appearance. So obviously a notable kind of number. Uh, as he works his way up the most, you know, the highest appearances for the club. <laughs> it's, it's like the last minute of stoppage time in the second half. It's like, there you go. There's a memorable appearance, a notable number. So, yeah, that looked, uh, did anybody else get a little bit worried about that particular substitution too? Cause it looked like Vlavich tweaked something. Yeah. I don't know. Well, I uh, think that's, uh, I saw, I saw a few people talking about that in the comments and hopefully. I mean, Vlavic always kind of looks pissed off when he gets taken off. So <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Yeah, but right before right before that, though, he like crouched down on the in the center circle and looked like he grabbed his leg. And then he was he was up and running again a couple minutes later, but a, a couple seconds later. But still, that 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 didn't look encouraging given the situation that we're in right now. Yeah, so it's a it's a good thing that nobody else striker wise is is hurt. <laughs> All right, next question here. Uh, we'll throw it to Sergio first. From at Arthur Schmidt the fourth, we have been calling for more youth integration with the squad, with the likes of Maretti Fagioli, Sule, Samuel Ling Jr. Uh, I'll throw in uh, Chuck's uh, boy Dean uh, down on the the next gen level. But what's the real realistic expectation on how many could become first team players going forward? I, I think obviously not every you know young guy is going to pan out. Uh, we've seen that time and time again. Um, but this generation, for whatever reason, does feel a little bit different. I think a couple, at least two or three of these guys, you know, between Illing Jr., between Fagioli, between uh, you know, even even throw some of the guys out alone in between Robella, uh, Miretti. Like you're you're seeing a lot of guys that are already showing you stuff that you know that warrants consideration for for first team minutes and they're you know 18 19 year old kids so especially with the money crunch that's sure to come for for Juve this summer it really does feel like the best possible timing for 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 these guys to actually you know carve out a role like i i think at least two or three you know obviously Fagioli obviously Miretti i think Rovella has an outside chance, especially with with uh, Paredes going back to PSG and Locatelli never really looking at home at that position. I think Rovella has a pretty good chance chance of getting minutes next season. But the one I'm the, the two that I'm most excited about are Ealing Jr. and, and Sule. I think those two, especially Ealing Jr., like 
I know it became a bit of a meme when he came on against Benfica and suddenly he was he looked like the best player in, in the world. But it's just, you know, he does have certain skills, certain moves that, you know, you don't see that often. And, you know, just a guy like that is always going to have, you know, space in a in a club, I think. So I, I, I think realistically in the short term, at least three of, or four of those guys are going to start getting first minutes, first team minutes. Will any of those guys become like superstars or like club legends or like the next Claudio Marquisio? I don't know, but I do think at least next year, at least four or five of those guys have a pretty good chance of sticking in the first team and actually getting like consistent minutes. So what you're saying is that Billing Jr. has a particular set of skills. Right there, right there, Liam. <laughs> he does. He does. <laughs> Damn right. Damn right. No, I, I mean, I think that it can be a lot more than a lot of people think it is. I mean, I, I keep going back to this example when we talk about the youth teams, but the number of homegrown players that were on Thomas Tuchel's Chelsea team when they won the Champions League, which is all of a sudden I, they've kind of abandoned that uh, that path now that Todd Bowley's there. And it's not going very well for them, is it? No. <laughs> but I mean, you know, you look at, and, you know, obviously not every group that comes out of the academy system is going to be, you know, the Peps La Masia, uh graduating class, you know, the one that had Messi and, and Fabregas and, and all those other guys. But you do have, I, I think you, you need to, rely on that more i think the having the next gen has really has given uva a little more confidence in these guys because they are playing professional minutes as opposed to just primavera you know other primavera kids and 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 then they have to make the jump into Serie A straight from there you know it it does kind of it i'm still a little surprised that no other club has taken advantage of being able to do that I mean, I know the rule says that they can only do it if a team in Serie C goes bankrupt and they have a hole to fill. But I think that you can have, at the very least, a a serviceable set of squad players. You know, the you know the kind of role guys coming out of the academy with this and 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 with this batch in particular. I think we can have a couple, one or two superstars coming out of that group. I think you know Fagioli might might reach a Marquisio type level. Um, Miretti has the opportunity to do that as well. I think Sule and Illing are really good. Hoysen. Hoysen? That's good. Hoysen. Uh, Hoysen. Yeah, but I mean, it's whatever. Is, uh, <laughs> he is, you know, he's he looked good in those in those Christmas friendlies and, and just looks like he's a freaking tank, too. He looks like a teenager in the face. And then you look up how tall he is, and it's like, oh yeah, he's six foot four at seventeen years old. Six four, and it's, he's like, he's he's built like he's built like Delict, and is you know a lot younger, but he looks he looked really good there. So I, I think you have to to give more of these guys opportunities and and kind of make them your base layer, and then you sprinkle in, you know, when the finances get better, you sprinkle in. The, the big signings over top of them. And that's like the leavening, the leavening. I definitely think that, that a lot of these guys can play important roles in the first team. If not, you know, superstars, you don't need every player on the roster to be a superstar. You just need them to be able to play the right role. And I think that these guys, uh, a lot of these guys can do that. And I think that a, a couple of the particular ones that we're dealing with now can go even farther than that. You know, and, and just just very quickly, you know, we, we give the the previous board, you know, Fabio Paratici and all the guys that resigned huh, recently. But you know, we give them a lot of crap, and a lot of that is deserved. But you know, it's also like shout out to them for actually, you know, building this next gen project, building this U twenty three project. That that kind of came from that, you know, board from that, you know, decision making people, and and you know, it took a few years, obviously, as this project's tend to do but i mean it's finally bearing fruit and like like sam said like it's not only guys that are already getting first you know first uh team minutes but the actual next gen team it's in the Serie c cup final like there's a couple of guys that are looking you know really promising that in that team so i mean it it's something that maybe it was not as you know shiny as all those signings that didn't pan out 
but it definitely, I think it's going to end up being their most successful, you know, project in the long term or initiative. And just uh, kind of one quick final note on that before we get to one last question here. Um, James Horncastle, my guy, so drink at the athletic <laughs> had a really good interview with, uh, with Illing jr. And it gets into kind of discussing the next gen project as well. And he obviously had, you know, he's essentially grown up at Juventus with the likes of Fajoli and Meretti and, and Sule. So, um, you get a kind of a behind the scenes look at how how he's adjusted to life in Italy because obviously um, life in Turin is a little different than life in London. So one last question here before we wrap things up for the week from An Juve four three five two three four three or four four or four three three for the rest of the season. Say that five times fast. <laughs> Gosh, I don't know. I think a three four three is probably the best way to go at least until some more midfielders get healthy because you, you know, in the big games, you need to have your top three forwards out there. If you want to stay in that three man back line, you know, given the lack of, of fullbacks, then the three, four, three is, is your best option. Maybe kind of shift it to four, three, three, if you can with some healthy midfielders and, and the occasional, the occasional use of, of, Juan and Sandro on the flanks. But yeah, I think 343 is probably it. I think the only formation that and it, it just depends on what you want. I think the only formation that manages to squeeze in really all of our best players who are currently fit, so minus Pogba. So that is uh Vlaovic, Chiesa, Di Maria, and Kostic would really be a 343 because yeah, four three three. You know, I know you you want to put Kostic at left back. Yeah, I mean, I no. don't think so, <laughs> right? So you could put him as a left winger, but then you have to pick between Chiesa and Di Maria on the other one. So then one of them loses out, and then yeah, I mean, three five two, you can have Kostic and Di Maria and Vlaovic. But then again, you're putting Di Maria in this or Chiesa in a central position, which is not really their best position. I mean, it's not their original position, so. Yeah, it just depends on what you want. If you want to, you know, you want to manage to get all of them, all four of those on the pitch at the same time, then three for three, that's really the only one that works. I'm always a little reluctant about the, yeah, about a two-man central midfield. I prefer three-man central midfield just for that control. But yeah, it depends. I mean, you can also just, I guess, win the game just by offensive firepower. So, you know, you have crossed each, uh, you know, Banging in all the all the crosses, and then you have the flair and attacking, yeah, an attacking wing play from Dimaria and Chiesa, and the finishing ability from Vlaovic. You might suffer a little bit defensively just because you have less uh, less central midfield cover. But again, it just depends how you want to play with kind of the onus on that attacking play or safety first. So I, I basically not an answer to your question, <laughs> but it just depends on what you want. It's, it's, I think it was something that we, we've talked in both in the pod and in writing and uh, pretty much in every platform we have that this is just kind of like a pick your poison. Like this is not a full squad in that you can pick a formation and be like, yes, this is the formation that puts my best players in the best position to succeed while also like being a, a solid way of, of deploying my team. Like every single formation that we just named, there's at least one area where you're like, ah, that's kind of weak. And in the three, four, three, I think you're solid defensively. You're putting your best attacking players there, but in the midfield, you have to rely on a sort of double pivot there. And again, like that, you don't have the players to build a consistent double pivot. So I agree with you guys. Like I do think that's the best one because it does put your best players in good positions. It rem it remains like defensively solid, but I think you're vulnerable against teams with, you know, like can overload that midfield and, win that possession battle. So I do hope that they they follow that. It makes sense. Like in, in out of all the formations that we've seen and considering the players that you have available, probably your best shot, but it's still a formation that has weak spots. And the fact that every single formation that we can deploy has weak spots is 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 truly an indictment of of you know the the quality of this this squad or Maybe not so quality, but the way it's built. And I think that that has to be, you know, task number one for, for the new board and for the incoming people, you know, to fix that 
just general squad imbalance that we've been carrying for what feels like two or three seasons now. At least. At the very least, yes. I mean, how long have we been talking about Juventus's lack of depth at fullback? Yeah, like four years it's now. Like... Sorry. <laughs> Alexander was... years ago. Alexander <laughs> was on his last legs like five seasons ago. Like it's incredible. Like it's unbelievable. Well, I remember the the year that Sadi was the coach. We started the season with three natural fullbacks on the roster, plus one, <laughs> who is also showing uh, continuing signs of decline. <laughs> and somehow Mattia De Sigli is still one of those. Like it's like whatever, man. Like drop it up. <laughs> All right, let's wrap it up on that note. Thank you all for your Twitter questions. We always appreciate them. If you want to send them in to us, feel free to do so at Juventus Nation on the Twitter machine. Follow us there as well as on Facebook and Instagram. Follow us on your favorite podcasting platform, whether it is Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. If you do listen on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, feel free to leave us a nice rating and a review. Uh, Hopefully we will have some updates for you guys in terms of the podcast next week uh looking into a few different options in terms of our next step although we can safely say the podcast will still be alive in one shape or form so we're just trying to decide where to go with that so for sam for chucks for sergio and producer couch this is danny saying thank you very much for listening and we'll talk to you guys next week <laughs>